So a lot of times we think we have a why, but we really just have a what. And that person, that woman, she focuses on a what. And the what will take you far, but it won't take you far enough because you're not emotionally connected to it and it doesn't emotionally drive you. Your why should absolutely either piss you off or it should make you really sad or it it should draw you into a far left or a far right. This episode is brought to you by Soul CBD. Now, I want to chat a little bit about my favorite CBD line because if you've been following Boss Babe for a while, then you know how much we love Soul CBD. I actually personally discovered it a while back, and one of my favorite products is the Calm Capsules and the Strawberry Gummies. Now, I actually started taking CBD quite a while ago to help me with stress and trouble sleeping at times. And I started getting into the habit of eating two of their strawberry gummies right before bed, and it's really helped me get amazing sleep. Not only do I sleep better but I also wake up feeling calm, rested and really ready to take on the day. And the other thing that I love about their gummies is I'm not joking, they taste like sweets. They literally taste amazing. Also, another reason why I love the brand is Soul CBD products are actually grown in the US. They're organically farmed and gluten-free. And in addition to all of that, all of their products contain zero THC and are tested by a third party lab. So I really just wanted to pop in here and say that if you have any issues with discomfort, stress, anxiousness, or trouble sleeping, I highly recommend you try this brand. So check out our episode notes to learn more about the products and access our 20% off promo code using Boss Babe, okay? So that's 20% off all Soul CBD products using the code Boss Babe. Welcome to the Boss Babe Podcast, the place where we share with you the real behind the scenes of building successful businesses, achieving peak performance, and learning how to balance it all. I'm Danielle Canty, your host for this week's episode. Now, I am really, really excited to bring this episode to you, but I'm also a little bit sad because um, unfortunately, Natalie and I weren't able to record this one together. We've had to divide and conquer, as they say today. But nonetheless, this interview with Tiffany Lagi was absolutely amazing. Tiffany is actually the creator of Do The Damn Thing. She is an absolute boss babe she started her but not one but not two three businesses all by the time she was 30 alongside being a single mum and juggling it all and in this episode I really got to chat to Tiffany about selling confidence around selling strategy around selling and some of the things that really stand in our way you know I work alongside a lot of female entrepreneurs and I know this is something that really comes up a lot there's a lot of guilt or shame around it or sometimes just not feeling like you even know what to say or how to do it. And so in this episode, we really discuss things like the mindset and the strategy. And one of the things that we really uncovered was something that you're probably not going to expect. So it's a must listen to episode. And I'm so excited to hear your takeaways. So when you've listened to it, make sure you tag myself at Danielle Canty and tag at bossbabe.inc with your favorite parts. So without further ado, Let's dive in. A boss babe is unapologetically ambitious and paves the way for herself and other women to rise, keep going, and fighting on. She is on a mission to be her best self in all areas. It's just believing in yourself. Confidently stepping outside her comfort zone to create her own version of success. Tiffany, thank you so much for coming on the Boss Babe podcast. I feel like, you know, we've just been chatting behind the scenes already, and there's so many things I'm excited to talk with you today. I'm excited too. (laughs) now you know we've not spoken about this before but obviously you came in society you did one of the most amazing success kits and one of the reasons we reached out to you is not only have you built one not two but you built three six-figure businesses you went on to build a seventh all whilst before you were 30 and being a single mom like 
when I saw this, I was like, we need this woman teaching within the society because there is a lot of value right there. Oh, you're so awesome. I'm so excited to be here with your community and you're amazing. So this is going to be delicious. So before we dive in, I wanted to learn a little bit more about your story. Like, how did you get started? Like, what was your motivation at that point to have done so much by the time you were 30? You know, there are some people who kind of wake up and they're like, oh, I have all these goals. And so I'm going to go and crush these goals. There are some women like that. I was on the other side of the wall. I was the woman who was like, uh, I just need to figure this out. You know, um, I had two children, 18 months apart. Dad is nowhere to be found. There is no child support. And I have everybody and their mother giving me their opinions and ideas about how I should live my life, right? And everybody's like, oh, you need to go back to school. Tiffany, you need to go get a degree, go get a license, go get a certification. Everybody had an answer about how to solve my problem, right? And the truth of the matter is that we were either going to bed hungry or I was battling just, uh, like, I was almost battling wanting to live is the truth. And I started a business out of desperacy. I didn't start a business because I was super smart, because I had this idea, because I write code or any of the above. I had no college degree, no license, no certifications. And starting a business was the only way out of my situation. For a woman, money creates options, period, 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 period. And being optionless, it was like I was either going to give up, you know what I mean? Or I was going to do something. So for me, it was like, I'm going to start a business. You know what? I just want to call that out straight away because I think so many people, you know, they look at starting a business as, um, okay, like almost like a luxury, like a decision to be on purpose or something like that. But we were just interviewing Tony Robbins the other day and he said very similar. He was like, you know, at the moment, everyone's like, oh, I want to be on purpose. I want to be purpose. But you can't find your purpose until you've got the basics of financial security. He's like, that's what matters most. And that's what matters for so many people. And again, Natalie and I were talking around another podcast podcast episode where we were like actually do you know what it's like sometimes you just got to take back control and I think having a business can really do that at least you know some people can't get jobs you know really struggling out there or they don't know if they're going to have a job next week maybe the business that they work for isn't um, doing well and I think you just calling it out right then though I need to take control I need to start a business because I needed money and I was, you were betting on yourself, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, I really want to chalk it up to there's a difference for women between sitting in the passenger seat of their life and then sitting in the driver's seat. And sometimes we think like, oh, I'm going to start a business and it's like, I'm going to hire all these employees and I'm going to do all these things. For me, it was like, no, I just need to go and sell something. If I can control my income, then then that's everything. So me getting in the driver's seat was 100%. Okay, Tiffany, go sell something. And as scary as it may sound, you know, a lot of times in business, just in life, right, we wait for things and people to come to us. But at that time, I was making $10.22 an hour. It was $1,000 per child to put them in preschool. It was $1,000 per kid, $1,600 for rent. You know, forget about food and like food, you know, and other things. I was negative $400 before I could even blink my eyes. And the truth of the matter is that I understood like, okay, well, no one's coming to me. If money's not coming to me, you have to go to it. And understanding that principle, that core principle changed the entire game because it's like, well, I may not understand this whole hiring uh, office, you know, big business kind of thing, but I totally can be in the driver's seat by going out and selling something and knocking on a door. And that's what I did. I also love the simplicity of that, isn't it? Like we can overcomplicate business so much and like you're saying like, oh yeah, I've got to have this office, I've got to hire, I've got to have this team, but you just need to sell something. I repeat, what is something to sell? So how, how are you like, okay, I need to sell something. What do I sell? Like, what was your, had you sold stuff before? You're like, uh, how do I do this? Well, you know, the truth of the matter is that, you know, I have a different perspective today, but I, I want to be transparent to how I started the game. I... Uh, went to Barnes and Nobles and you know those books that have like top 10 businesses you could start for like under a thousand dollars so there were three sections right 500 to a thousand dollars a hundred to five hundred dollars it's zero to a hundred and I just hung out in zero to a hundred and I was like oh 
let me see what these people are talking about. I was like, medical transcribing? I don't know what that is. That it was like lawn care? I don't know what that is. And then it was like, you know, because you turn the page and they have like this, they have these two amazing paragraphs and this title. And then you're like, I don't don't know how to do that. But I landed on gift baskets. As crazy as this sounds, it was like the only thing that actually visually made sense. Basically, it was like, okay, so I just put a bunch of junk in, not junk, (laughs) put a bunch of stuff. (laughs) Whoops. Okay, yeah. (laughs) I had never seen a gift basket. I had never gotten a gift basket. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I saw them on the- How it is. Right, I saw Mm -hmm. them on TV. And so I was like, okay, so you put a bunch of stuff in a basket, you wrap it up and hand it to them. Okay, fine. So it gave me the list of things that I needed to go buy, 100 bucks, And basically they said I can make $55,000 a year. And for me, making $10.22 and always at a negative and going to bed hungry, I was like, $55,000. I'm going to, you know, in my mind, I'm truly in air status at that point, right? So I acquired these items. And, and, and I want to speak really to the woman who's like, well, where do I start? I didn't understand the concept of a service, so I went down the route of a product. And I took the product and I wrapped it around the thought of a service. Now, stay with me for a moment because this is so important. I uh, I uh, thought about those baskets that I saw that they were uh, talking about that had like cheese and salami and all of that. And I was like, ugh. Who wants that stuff? So I, I kind of sat down and I looked. Just, I was like, Ugh, I don't want, I don't want cheese in the basket. <laughs> yeah, negative for me. So I was like, okay, well, what would I like? And I was sitting in my apartment. That was two months past due in rent. And I was like, oh my gosh, we live. I lived in South Florida, and there were a lot of new homes. So I started this business where I got like tied a cutting board a little soap a sponge a rag and I created a new homeowner's basket and I went to all the local uh pizza places and stuff like that and got them to give me coupons for their stores I put in this basket and then I sat down and I wrapped and let me tell you woman I was horrible at creating baskets like that was so flipping hard women are creative I am not one of them but but I sat there and I wrapped this thing and I kind of like, like, I, I, I kind of like took a deep breath and I was like, okay, how am I going to sell this? <laughs> so at that time, everybody was like, oh, go to the internet. And I was like, the internet, I'm still trying to figure out these damn AOL CDs. There's no way I could go to the internet. I don't even understand what you're talking about. I barely know how to turn this computer on. Forget that. That's not going to work. So step number two is don't try to sell something that's without, just because other people are doing it doesn't mean you have to do it. You've got to stick within what's in your space. And for me, I was like, well, I could take the basket and go show it to people. So that's what I did. I asked someone to uh, give me a, to give me a ride Tuesdays and Thursdays so that they could put my kids in the back seat so that they could be watched, if that makes sense, to babysit them because they were too little. Maya was six months, Jada was maybe two and a half, and they would drive me from apartment complex to apartment complex, and I literally would take yeah. this mm-hmm. basket, deep breath, and I would go and knock on a door, and I would go and find the property manager. So I promise you, um, for the woman who's thinking out there, oh, well, that came natural. Every single time I almost died, every time I got out of the car. I was like knees knocking and like, like hyperventilating, but my need to solve my problem had to be greater than my fear. And, you know, like as scared as I was every time, and I don't want you to think it just got better at weeks at weeks. It didn't. It sucked every time. But it was like, I just kept thinking to myself, okay, if I could just make another $2,000, you know, like if I could just make enough to feed the kids and possibly, and possibly like um, also keep the lights on all the time and possibly pay the rent on time. That's all I could think about. Um, And that focus drove me to not let fear win and and to be dead set on sitting in that driver's seat. It's just really amazing to just share that story and just be like, hey, it actually didn't really get that much easier. It was really consistently hard because I think that's something that people don't share a lot. I've been very transparent about my journey through social media. I remember when I first started with Boss Babe, like putting my camera on my face to camera on social. I was freaking terrified. I remember doing my first live and I was like, hi, my name is Danielle and jumped off before anyone got on there. Like no one was getting on that live to see me on there. And, you know, when people ask me like, oh, like it's so natural for you now. I'm like, damn, it's really not natural. 
natural at all. Yeah. I still, I got better at it. I pushed through it. I know the techniques to get me on there. But yeah. still, there's a little bit that I'm like, oh, do I have to jump on this one? Yeah, <laughs> I get that. It's, it was hard. And I, I get that. And it's like, you know, I think sometimes we see like um, people, even on TV or um, in media, I, I, and we have this crazy idea that they just kind of waltz on and it's always natural and it's always perfect. And it's like, I just want everyone to know that it's not. It took me years of yeah. knocking on doors before I started to build, uh, to store, uh, how do I say, until I started to really own the fact that I could do it. But it didn't change the fact that I got up and did it over and over and over and over again until I got the result that I needed. So my experience of working with a lot of female entrepreneurs and ambitious women is there is this kind of lack of confidence around selling, this feeling of like, oh my goodness, I can't possibly do that, or shame around it. So feeling guilty for selling, feeling guilty for knocking on that door. In fact, I had someone in the society um, just the other day ask me like, hey, um, I feel like I don't, I'm doing YouTube, I feel embarrassed to put my CTA, my call to action on the end, because um, I don't want to seem too Sally. And I'm like, oh, what are you selling? She was like, oh no, it's giving them a free challenge. I'm like, what? <laughs> Now you're worried about selling a free challenge? And I'm like, wow, like this is like such a rewire that needs to take place for so many women. I'm like, service is selling. If you're sh telling me that challenge is good, you should be like wanting to shut that from the rooftops. So I'm really curious as to what your mindset was like or like how you pushed through it. And you spoke about attaching to your why, but what are some of, are there any techniques that you started to learn that helped you on that journey? So a lot of times we think we have a why, but we really just have a what. And that person, that woman, she focuses on a what. And the what will take you far, but it won't take you far enough because you're not emotionally connected to it and it doesn't emotionally drive you. Your why should absolutely either piss you off or it should make you really sad or it, it should draw you into a far left or a far right. The key or, or in the center of just selling or the persistence of consistency in selling comes from our confidence, sure, but it also comes from our focus. And that focus point of man, oh man, oh man, I absolutely can't, I can't have that thing that I'm emotionally connected to not happen. So for me, if I had said to myself, man, if I just make two, $3,000, I'm golden. And I focus on that. Mm, I mean, it would allow me to, to knock on some doors and to do some things, but it would also allow me to make a lot of excuses. Oh, I'm too tired today. You know what? I'm not feeling my best. Oh, I heard that bad news about such and such. I'm just going to take the I'm gonna take the whole day off and just kind of sit, which is what happens. And that's where inconsistency builds in. I actually would visualize this moment. So my daughter, my oldest daughter, she wanted a really specific toy. And she used to think about it and talk about it and dream about it. And I would visualize myself giving her this toy on Christmas. So I would visualize myself bending down, handing it to her. And Jada has such a big, beautiful face. And I could, I would even right now, I tear up just thinking about it. And it's like 18 years later, because the truth of the matter is that that act that moment of feeling that excitement from my daughter and that excitement of that moment, oh my God, I forced myself to want it so badly that I could literally taste it. So the idea of not making that moment happen was like an absolute no. And if I had focused on the money, the, the two, three, four, five thousand $5,000, you know, you can't emotionally connect to money. And for women, we're so conditioned to not want for ourselves. We're so conditioned to not dream. Like we allow ourselves to dream a little, but we don't allow ourselves to dream wildly. We're so conditioned to putting everybody else first. We're so conditioned to being second. I want to highlight that as two different things to just being second that it was like, for me, I not only needed to focus on that moment, but I needed to make that moment be the thing that was a non-negotiable for me. That non-negotiability or uh, focus is what allowed me to get up when I didn't feel well, to get up when I had like 40 days of no's, to get up when I was like, nobody's on my side, to get up on moments where it was like, I don't know if this is working. 
to continue to do the thing that I committed to doing because it's the commitment to me making that moment happen is what drove me to produce the outcome that I needed. I needed that moment. So that technique um, at every stage allowed me to build the next revenue level. So me focusing on that moment with Jada, man, oh man, oh man, it took me from you know, negative $400. And when I say negative $400, I don't want you to think that I'm like, oh, well, I just don't have enough money. I mean that I'm looking at my daughter and in tears saying, I cannot feed you tonight. I am so sorry. You have to go to bed. We're going to go to bed hungry. That moment, those moments, they suck. Me focusing on giving her that item allowed me to pull myself from, you know, dollars $20,000 a, a year, if you want to look at it like that, um, to to my first uh, $4,000 a month, then $5,000 a month. Then there's a big difference between I can't pay my bills and I can now pay my bills and breathe and think and focus as a woman because what happens for that woman is she gains two important, powerful things. She gets the ability to make decisions. And then second, she gains choices and options. And baby, let me tell you, options are like magic for a woman. She thinks differently. She stands differently. She responds differently. She's just, she's, she's stronger. I she had chills so many moments of that. Like, I have children, so I can only empathize with that story, but I literally got chills. I was like, wow, like, there's so much motivation. And I think whatever part of your life in, mine was very different, but a similar motivation in the fact that, it was the not achieving something that made me push through the fears. And I think that's what you're already connecting to as well. And, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I'm just, like setting this goal to achieve it. But when you have that, like, it's in your heart that the thought of not achieving that is so, so painful. God, you get out of bed much quicker. Like, I got to go. Sure do. I, I got to make this happen. I got stuff to do. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. And so like, let's take a minute to talk about one of my favorite educational platforms, Masterclass. I have been referring back to this platform for years and I love that you can simply log in and take inspirational classes from world-class coaches, no matter where you are. If you haven't explored Masterclass yet, go to masterclass.com slash boss babe and scroll through some of the categories. I think you'll really love what you see. One of the latest classes I tuned into was Anna Winter's class on creativity and leadership. She takes you into her office as Vogue's editor-in-chief and it was so inspiring to learn about her leadership style, team culture and how she encourages creativity in her team. Not only does Masterclass have tangible business development classes that you can watch at your desk or listen to on the go, but it also includes classes in 10 other categories ranging from food, home and lifestyle, music, wellness, design and so much more. There are over 200 classes to choose from with new classes added every month. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Plus, Every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash bossbabe. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash bossbabe, masterclass.com slash bossbabe. The other day, the team and I were talking about how much our audience loves biohacking. And whenever we release content based around creating better habits for our lifestyle and health, you all seem to really soak it up and request more. So I wanted to share about our podcast sponsor, Prolon, today because I've never seen a company like this. Prolon is a revolutionary plant-based nutrition program that nourishes the body while making cells believe that they're fasting. There are so many strategic benefits to fasting, and Prolon helps you hit these goals without actually needing to fast. Prolon's five-day program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all designed to keep your body in a fasted state. And you get everything pre-packaged, labeled, and ready to go, so there's no guesswork. It's super simple, and it works. Extended fasting of at least two to three days has proven to produce unique benefits like cellular rejuvenation, metabolic support, and increased cardiovascular health. So if you're ready for a fasting program that doesn't leave you hungry or exhausted and instead gives you more energy, I highly recommend giving Prolon a try. Right now, Prolon is offering Boss Babe podcast listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash boss babe. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash boss babe 
for this special offer. Prolonlife.com slash boss babe. As you were saying, you got that motivation. You heard you were going in, you were doing things, you're recognizing that you know what? This was not easy for me to do, but there was the op- the thought of not doing it was also not an option either. How did you learn to sell? And what are some techniques? Um, because I've heard you talk around story before and different aspects. So I'm really curious on like how you've been doing it over the last like what you say 18 years. Mm-hmm. How you have honed that skill and what you see that works really well. You know, um, so there are phases, right? And I really want to speak to, I really want to speak to the woman who's out there who thinks that it's a game of handling objections and getting really crafty in your speech. I got to my first six figures by focusing on volume. And I want to be transparent because, uh, yes, you can be great at handling objections and techniques. And I'm going to teach you and talk to you about story, which is what I learned, you know, over time. But initially my first six figures was a hundred percent just volume and anybody, anybody on the planet can make money. Number one, number two, they can make enough money. And number three, they can get to six figures if they focus on volume. The key is, is that there's, there's, there's some things in there that are tough, which is consistency and doing it over and over again, because inside of it is rejection. So I committed to this number, um, and it was roughly about 44. So every day I was looking to physically go outside of my office, quote unquote, my home, and go knock on 45 doors every day. Wow. And for some people that seems like extreme, but it's no different than me today in today's digital world, DMing 45 people, emailing 45 people, picking up the phone and calling 45 people. It's literally no different. I just didn't feel confident enough to pick up the phone. I was a little bit insecure. So I was like, you know what? I can go and smile. Hi. You know, like I can go and smile, look at someone and introduce myself. And what I learned is that if I ask enough people, someone's going to say yes. Yeah. So I really want to put this lesson inside of here because it's probably the most important lesson I learned as a woman. I was like, whoa, if I ask enough people, someone's going to say yes. It allowed me to start building quote unquote goals. I knew that um, uh, that there was this math and this math is still true today for the person who's taking notes. It's um, one in 20 opportunities or one in 20 people or one in 20 knocks, if you will. It turns into a prospect. One in five of those turn into revenue. Okay, so let me repeat that. One in 20 door knocks turn into a a prospect. And one in five of those prospects turns into revenue. I wanted to make sure that I had one solid sale every single week. So that's four sales a month. And I was looking at anywhere from about $1,800 to maybe $4,000 per sale. And I was like, great, I'm going to make sure that I make $7,500 a month, which was my first goal because you get to six figures by about $8,300. And I said, this is what, you know, this is what I want. And um, man, so I got a knock on 44 doors. I needed to be in front of 200 plus people every week. Deep breath. The truth of the matter is that like 180 of those people were like, uh, you know, (laughs) they weren't, they weren't like, yay, Tiffany. I've been and, waiting for you to knock this door. Right, like, thank God you're here. Like, <laughs> Finally, really? you've arrived. No, you've arrived. Boy, let me tell you, I, it, that is not the case at all. But I didn't, I wasn't there for those 180 people. I was there for those eight. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times, boy, we focus on the wrong things. And we're like, man, I, I need 180 people to like me. No, you don't. You need the nine people to like you. The nine people is going to pay your bills. The nine people is going to fill your bank account. The nine people is going to give you peace of mind. The nine people is going to give you clarity. The nine people is going to give you options. The nine people is going to give you boy, oh boy. And so those nine people is what I focused on hunting for. I needed to focus on the nine. That's it. That is literally it. So the first evolution of sales, I don't care who you are. I don't care what position you're in. I don't care if you feel like, well, Tiffany, I'm not good. You don't need to be good. You just need to show up as your best self. And I promise you that not only do you need to show up as your best self, but if you show up as your best self consistently, then the dollars will come. That second part, the consistency, I got up and went out and knocked on 45 doors every day, whether it was a good day or a bad day. And eventually I built a pool of leads 
that I could farm. And when I say farm, I mean nurture. And I nurtured them by going, hi, how you doing? How you doing? Are you guys ready to buy yet? No, you're not ready to buy. Okay, no worries. I'll be back, uh, I don't know, in a month. Okay, great. Bye. Just like that. It was nothing fancy. There was nothing sexy. There was nothing like super cool. It was just me showing up and doing it over and over again until I got paid. Then I took it to the next level. I think like the biggest mindset shift for so many is like knowing that the, every rejection you get is a step closer. I think that's something weird happens when people go to sell, right? They forget what it's like to be sold to. Like we're not, as human beings, we're not buying every single thing that someone right. offers us like offers to us like that would be crazy like why would we do that we have choice we want to make a decision sometimes we need things sometimes we don't need things so when we're in our like you know a customer point of view very very simple we switch positions into that selling position and all of a sudden it's like a lot of people forget the logic of that like well what do they mean they won't buy it why would they not buy this? Why would that every person I speak to not buy this thing? And you're like, well, you wouldn't buy it if you were a customer all the time. And I think it's like just allowing yourself to like sit in those two seats is really powerful. And I love that formula you shared. Like I wrote that down because I am using that. I haven't actually heard those exact numbers before. And we always kind of teach like working up from that funnel, like how many people do you want at the end? Therefore, how many people do you need in the funnel? Like how many people yeah. do you need to talk to? And I think there's also a lot of comfort because then those no's become like, oh, well, they're expected. Like I know that I need to speak to this many people. Those no's mean I'm one step closer to that yes versus what can happen is like, oh my goodness, I feel fully rejected. It means that this product isn't good enough. It means that I'm not good enough. It means that X, Y, and Z, people are going to think badly or differently or all these things for us. And that's what I, that's what unfortunately I see a lot of is that a lot of people really struggle with the rejection of selling and I think that knocks a lot of people's confidence and you know I was chatting to Jamie Kern Lima about this as well you know she built um it cosmetics to like what 1.2 billion I think she sold it for and they were doing like over 100 million in revenue and she was saying that thing like the same thing when she was trying to get money for it cosmetics like the rejections like but she was just like okay that's one more like I've been redirected to somebody else and mm -hmm. she just had to hold true that mindset and just know that every single no was a closer to some, it was a closer to the yes. And having that blind faith that you did is like, keep going, keep going, keep going. I just want to, I want us to be talking about this more because I almost feel like it's just not something a lot of people share on the difficulties that they have gone through to get to success. Are there any particular stories that have stood out to you on your journey that have been really challenging for you to overcome like certain rejections you're like oh I don't know if I can come back from this or a failure that's felt like hang on a minute can I actually get back up and brush myself off again or has it always been that you've had this like deep knowing within you that's like nothing is stopping me oh my gosh are you kidding me I feel like I'm rejected and fail like every day like I I feel like 97 percent of what I do doesn't work <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, I mean, let's honestly, normalize that <laughs> Like, listen, listen to me. Even today, you know, let me fast forward because, yes, it's so easy to, to look at people, even like where I am now. And then it's like, oh, everything just works. When I tell you that 97% of what I try does not work still, I promise you it is the God's honest truth. But here's where I am. I'm here for the 3%. Because the 3% that does work, I nail it to a wall. I nail it to an absolute wall. And it's like, if, if we as women, you know, like I, I, I spent so many years feeling rejected as a woman, just feeling like I wasn't enough, feeling like I wasn't inadequate. So sales wasn't easy because it just mirrored other moments of my life. It mirrored people in my life. It mirrored situations in my life that were tough. But the truth of the matter is that, um, uh, once I understood that rejection was part of the game, actually, it's part of yeah. the formula, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm looking for the equation to build out, right? Like if you can, as a woman, I had to understand not that it was or was not about me, but that I was working out a math formula. That's it. I was working out an equation and I understood that rejection was part of it, a lot of it, and consistently, and that I was hunting for my yeses. And sometimes we're hunting in our, for our yeses in different facets. Like back then I was hunting for a yes for a customer or a client. 
Um, then I was hunting for yeses when it came to employees, right? Finding the right fit, finding the right person. Then it was partnerships. And even in the company we run today, you know, um, it's like five years ago or six years ago, I guess now when I sold my company. So, um, uh, I left gift baskets. I went into a couple of other industries had to do with hardware and software. I went into events, events planning, and, um, I just kept going to the next business that looked like it would give me more of a return that I would make more money. It's really very simple. Um, in 2010, I gambled on myself, or 2009, I should say, I gambled on myself. I had mastered building a six-figure business in the state of Florida, and I was really, really scared um, because I had had a couple of instances where one of my kids got sick, they were in the hospital for a long time, and I came out, and I was like, wait a second, why are all these bills here? And I started to understand that there was a direct correlation between me not being out in the field, knocking on those doors and me not having money in my bank account. And I was like, oh, wait a second. Oh, I built myself a job. Okay. So it was like, oh, I think there are people out there who can be out of the office for a couple of weeks and they can actually still make money. I need to figure out how those people do that. That literally, that's exactly it. It's like, how do you make money, continue to make money if life happens to you, if you have life cards, if you have things put in your path? So I made a decision in 2010 to move to the state of North Carolina. Now, let me just give you this as concept number three. You have to bet on yourself. If I'm going to make a bet, like I'm totally the best bet and um, I gambled and I moved to North Carolina because I heard the company Xerox had low market share in that state. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to go there because apparently I know how to knock on doors. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I have to hire people? What? I have to have an office? A real one of those things? Oh, my gosh. And um, I, you talk about being rejected. I went to the state of North Carolina which is in the South. And as a black woman, I was not prepared for knocking on doors there. And um, it was the toughest, probably the toughest life, emotional woman lesson I had ever received because people were not excited to see me. They were super unexcited to see me. And I was either ran out of doors, I was chased out, I was told to leave, I, um, and I had to, I had to learn, like I almost had to relearn me all over again. Mm. It's like, you know, sometimes we get to a point in our lives, we feel like we have the game wrapped up. And I thought that I had the game wrapped up. I mastered knocking on doors. I made multiple six figures. I'm making money. But then I get to a state that's not really excited about seeing a black woman. And I had to relearn to, to fight for the same outcome all over again. And that was a whole nother level of me repeating I can't let fear win. I would leave so many offices and cry in my car and go home and go, oh my God, I made the wrong decision. Oh my God, this was the wrong thing. Uh, You know, like, you know, not regret, like not regretting, but, you know, questioning myself and cussing myself and, you know, all of everyone in Florida was like, Tiffany, just come back home. You know, like it'll be get better. And and, and I kind of said to myself, yeah, but I, I committed to this thing. I can't, and the only reason why I would retreat is because I'm going to let fear win. So uh, my decision to get back in the, in the driver's seat was the beginning of me understanding the power of my story. And it was, um, it was true that I could say, well, you know, I could lead with product. I could lead with um, how many years we've been in business. I could lead with, we do all the right things, but I started to leave those things behind. And when I knocked on the door, I was like, well, you know what, damn it, they've never seen me. I'm going to lead with the one thing that the world has never heard of or seen before. You may have seen a black woman, sure. You may have seen a person from said company, sure. You may have said someone who has this product, but I'm just going to lead with me because this is a story, this is a journey of me connecting my heart to yours. And if I can connect my heart to yours and I can bypass your concerns about my color, I can cons- I can bypass your concerns about whether you think I'm educated enough, I can bypass your thoughts and concerns about whether you think I'm the right fit, because my human card is the strongest asset that I have on this planet. And no matter the buyer on the other side, whether the deal is $5,000, $50,000, or half a million dollars, which I've sat in front of all three, that, that 
uh, focus for me on presenting my human card first, which is bedded in my story, um, was what allowed me to go from, you know, I guess zero to, to seven figures. I mean, we hit 1.2, 1.3 million in one year, in the first year. It was crazy. Um, I don't want anyone to think it, it happened overnight. I mean, there were, there, there, there were a lot of nights of crying and um, in the beginning. But then when I made this decision to leave with my story, that's when everything changed. I think that's so powerful. And I hear over and over again from really successful people that you have to be so authentic. And it's those people who show up unapologetically themselves as their human selves and share that story and put themselves on the line that I think, you know, allows so much more know, like, and trust to really come through. It's not easy, though, to do. It's not easy to, like, you know, lead with that aspect. So what were, you know, because... On the Boss Bay podcast, I always say this, like, I want to go that level deeper than anyone else goes, right? So you're saying about, you said two things today. It's like showing up as your best self, continuing to do that. And the second of all, like, you know, leading, putting that human card first. What does that actually mean for anyone listening? Anyone who's listening is like, do you know what? I really, I, I really relate to this and I think I can do more of this. What does that mean for them to be able to go away and implement that? Like, what do they need to get clear on? So first thing you have to get clear on is you have to stop managing other people's insecurities. The absolute like core of it is we spend so much time managing other people's insecurities that we, um, we, it, it is, it is the, it is the baseline of what causes us to trip It is what causes us to trip and to fall and to hit ourselves and hit ourselves over and over again needlessly because we're managing other people's insecurities. That is step number one, two, three, four, and maybe even five. It is what got me from um, six figures to half a million. It's what allowed me to start making multiple six figures when I embraced this concept. But then step number two is me making a decision to tell my story. And when you hear the word unapologetically, it's like, I want you to think of this. We can tell our story, but if we're still managing other people's insecurities, then we're curating how that story is told. And we're curating it and we're telling it so that it's comfortable for other people. And we're telling it so that like these people receive it this way and we don't offend our parents and we don't talk about such and such and such. And I'm going to tell you what, here I am um, an entire world later and I, and I say to myself, man, I wish I would have started telling my story sooner. Me owning my story was first, and that's what allowed me to stop managing other people's insecurities. Me being willing to tell my story, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the very ugly, okay? And I don't mean the timeline version, because in business, we are like, okay, great, I'm going to tell the story. Sure, absolutely. And then we tell this timeline version of it. Well, this happened, and this happened, and then that, and then that. That's not it, really it. The truth of the matter is that the human card requires me to reveal the human's real experience. And the real experience is normally really ugly in moments. It's messy. It's awkward. It has moments of shame, embarrassment. Um, it has moments of not just transparency, but like um, crazy vulnerability and vulnerability without vulnerability without like picking it up and making it better. You know what I mean? Like just pure vulnerability where you let the vulnerability just lie and just be, and you kind of just sit there and you're like, here it is. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to go and make it better in this moment. That me owning my story allowed me to start hiring the best people on the planet. It allowed me to start um, not just hiring because hiring is one thing, but then keeping people and retaining them. It's totally different. Instead of hiring people based on skill, it allowed me to find people where I could I could hire them based on heart because I can teach skill all day long, but you can't teach heart. You can't teach heart. Just pure money. And then after that, it allowed me to really dial in on, you know, that concept of like our your ideal customer, your ideal client. And and we talk about that a lot in business. And we a lot we chop that up to like, oh, well, they make a certain amount of money. They're this color, they're this age, they're a woman, they're a man, they're, you know, all of these things. But I'll tell you what, we, you know, so 2010, I run that company for five years. I sold that company in 2015. 
And um, for the last, I guess now six years, I've been the CEO of this amazing movement called Do the Damn Thing Nation. And what's wild about it is that we teach people now how to tell their stories and we teach businesses how to scale ridiculously with their story. But more importantly, we teach, I find the woman who still doesn't believe she's possible. I find the man who still doesn't believe he's possible. And we show them how their story almost is like, um, it's like the key. It's like that magic key to all of the things they've been trying to fix, repair in their life, change in their marriages, in their friendships, in their circle of friends, in their perception of themselves. And more importantly, it all translates to their ability to make money and to grow. Totally. There were so many points during that story that I'm like, yes, 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 yes. And one that I really relate to as well is the ownership piece and the owning your story. I think you hit the nail on the head when you say a lot of stories traditionally are told in a timeline piece versus like, you know, of like, oh, I did this and then I did that versus I went through this, this changed for me. I realized this, I evolved in this way. I had this emotion around this bit. I had to pick myself up here That's and this the allowed key. me onto the next thing, next thing. That's it right there. You just said it. I had this emotion. That's the number one thing women leave out. Yeah. And I think it's because, you know, for me, um, I'm like super open on the podcast and within the communities and I was sharing two things was like, one, I did a lot of therapy last year and I had a lot of shame around crying previously. Like I felt like, um, crying was a very negative emotion and it was something that, you know, you shouldn't be crying. Like, why are you crying? Like that type of thing. Like that's a weakness. Why are you crying? And I really learned that it was like energy and motion. And actually it was just a way it wasn't positive or negative. It was just allowing emotions to move through me. And the reason I'm sharing this was because it also ties in with the other part that you were saying around ownership. I started to own who I was. That you know what? I am quite sensitive on the outside, <laughs> you know? I'm really strong in the middle, but I'm, I'm like sensitive. And like having these other pieces, like owning, yeah, do you know what? I am, do you know how much I tried to hide for so long that I was terrible at spelling? Like, I was so ashamed that I was so bad at spelling, and I wasn't dyslexic, so I'm like, okay, I'm just bad at spelling. I haven't, like, (laughs) there's not even a reason. I'm just bad at it. And then put in coming to America, and then from the UK, I'm very confused at this point. (laughs) But, like, there was so much freedom when I started just owning it and, like, saying, do you know what? I'm going to own my weaknesses, and I'm going to own my strengths. And... I think that comes also down to a lot of how you can be authentic yourself, whether you're telling your story in your business or you're just like going about your day. Mm -hmm. There is, for me, there was this feeling that I had to be like, say somebody, I had to curate my story for other people or curate who I was for other people way back when. And like, I think that's my whole journey with Boss Babe style. Because I was like, do you know what? I'm not, I'm done. I'm like, I want this. I want to be me and I want to own who I am. And it's, it's an ongoing journey. I don't think it's ever like done and easy. I think it's something that a lot of people go through, but I do think when you start owning who you are and you own your story, the good, the bad and the ugly, there is something so freeing. So, so like liberating around that and just so much peace around it. Like, oh yeah, I'm never going to try and be perfect because it's unachievable. This is me. Mm-hmm. I got my tattoo then. <laughs> no, you are so right. No, that's actually it for sure. The key word is freeing. It's like when, when you're free, so like when you're free, that's when selling becomes fun. That's when business becomes fun. That's when making money becomes fun. That's when connecting with other people becomes fun because you're not really selling them. You're providing a solution and you're helping them solve a problem. And it's like your human card is connected to their human card. And so they're not concerned about how fancy your website is or how big your team is. They're concerned about the fact that, or they're, they're focused on the fact that their human card has totally come in alignment with another human. And you can feel that kind of energy. It's real at a hundred percent. So it's like, we don't, we move away from the ideas of let's sell and let's close and let's handle objections and all of that stuff to let's just put the human card first, attract the right person because that right person, you're not going to have to explain yourself to them. They're just going to get it. They're going to understand you. They're going to vibe with you. They're going to be with you because like you guys are the same. Like if you look at our community, here we are five years later. Um, I've, you know, we have countries that I, 
I, we have countries dialed in as clients, customers, and on our list that I would have never dreamed of. I'm still black. And the truth of the matter is that we are 30% white male. We are 30% white male. And these are men who are not connected to a wife. They're not coming in because of a spouse. Um, none of the above. We have um, been able to break a, a kind of an idea around what's possible. I still don't have a college education. I still don't have a license. I still don't have a certification. Yeah. You know, and I'm still a woman. And all of those things have allowed us to not just play in the market, but to, to really um, to build a movement. And for me, like I, uh, for me personally, that's kind of my goal for every woman, every woman who needs to be a boss is to build a movement because right now there are people who are waiting to hear your story. Sure. But there are people who need to hear your story. There's a difference. Yeah. There are people who are waiting, but there are people who need to hear your story and they need to hear your story because they hear your story and your story has the roadmap that they need to get out of the cage that they're in to get out. And it's like, we have this human moral life, God, however you want to picture it, responsibility to then go and tell our story. For me, I made a commitment five years ago, six years ago. Once I understood how free and how delicious my life was, I felt like I was cheating, honestly. I was like, do I really get to live this life? This is for real my life? Like, these are the things I get to do? Stop. Stop it. I was like, man, oh my gosh, I need other people to be, to feel like this. You know, and uh, that's where I became committed to teaching people, one, how to tell their story, more importantly, how to use their story and how to scale with their story. Because the person who owns a business is sitting in the driver's seat, as far as I'm concerned. The person who knows how to make money on their own is sitting in the driver's seat, as far as I'm concerned. The person who is not managing other people's insecurities and they're free from that. They're also sitting in the driver's seat, as far as I'm concerned. And then the person who um, gets to live out loud, live out loud, exactly how they want to live, um, is the, the person who actually makes the greatest impact on this planet, sure, but they make the most impact on the friends that they have, the family that they come from, the children that they have, all the people that they're responsible for, all the people they're connected to. And that's where life becomes exciting. I love that. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for coming on this podcast and just being so vulnerable and sharing the emotions of your story. I really appreciate that because I know it has will have inspired so many people listening. Before we round off, I would love for you to share where people can find out more about you, like your social handles, your website. Let's give them the links. Oh, come and stalk us. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> so I'm at Tiffany Larky just about everywhere. You can easily type in do the damn thing or do the damn thing nation anywhere. And you're going to come and find us um, for help on how do I tell my story? We're going to start with crush it with your story.com. And um, that's just simple. It is simple and delicious on what do I include in my story right now? If I were going to include, if I were going to change how I tell it, um, come hang out with us on tiffanylargy.com. But if you come and you stalk us, please say hi. Don't just stalk us. Ask a question. <laughs> we say like vocal hi. stalkers. <laughs> yes, yes. I want audible stalkers. That's exactly right. I don't want any silent stalkers. We're in a new year, people. You know what I mean? Like, I need like legit stalkers. Let me know who you are. Ask us a question. Let us know how we can serve you. Thank you. This is amazing. Thanks, Tiffany.